Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrological forecast for the week of January 13th through the 19th. Um, hope that you all are doing well uh, after our full moon eclipse, Mercury Kazemi, Uranus stationing direct, and the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that we experienced in the last week. Um, that's a whole lot of astrology to process, but hopefully you've survived it well and you, the new um, karmic seeds have been planted and you've been letting go of what was necessary to let go of and uh, getting on a roll here with your new, new, new normal, whatever that is and whatever that looks like for you. Um, this week, we're going to be kind of seeing the ripples and reverberations that are coming out from that. Um, you know, full moons take a, a few days sometimes to unfold, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, especially if they're eclipses. Some of the things that we experienced at this flowering, so to speak, or the things that came to light during this full moon are going to have um, repercussions that last, last uh, a few um, cycles down the road. So uh, if, if your big weekend didn't go off with a bang or anything like that, uh, don't worry. I'm sure that you will start experiencing some of the uh, the realities of it. And the other thing, too, is not to be afraid of that, because with, with the um, Saturn-Pluto conjunction that we were experiencing, it's not just like one big event. Uh, those are two very slow-moving planets, and they've been kind of coming together for a long time. We've been ex experiencing the, the the labor pains, so to speak, of this, of this contraction um, that is helping to squeeze you out of that birth canal and into whatever new reality that is present for you. So, like I said, it's not going to be like this one major thing, but kind of a, a series of things. Uh, this week, we have the sun making a conjunction with Pluto. Uh, the sun is also going to be conjoining Saturn since they're right next to each other at around 22 degrees of Capricorn. Um, this is a Kazemi moment for Saturn. So it's like a, a whole new Saturn cycle that we're going to be experiencing. Saturn's going into the furnace of the sun and being reborn, so to speak. So that's something that we'll explore. Um, Venus is going to be moving into its exaltation uh, in Pisces. So we will look at that and what that means. Uh, on Wednesday the 15th, Venus will be making a sextile to Uranus, a newly direct Uranus. So that'll be interesting to uh, see what that brings and, and how the, uh, the water will be feeding the, the earthy Taurus uh, area of newly direct ideas and newly direct circumstances um, that should be that should be very interesting and on thursday the 16th mercury is going to be moving into aquarius the saturn ruled domicile of aquarius uh, there will be a last quarter moon that we are waning towards through our disseminating phase through the beginning of the week on friday and then on saturday we've got a uh, an electric mercury uh Uranus square. So we'll see what that brings. A um, couple new decans that we're exploring this week. Mercury is moving into Aquarius 1, which is associated with the Five of Swords. Um, Pisces, uh, Venus is going to be associated with the Eight of Cups. Um, Jupiter is moving into the second decan of Capricorn, which is represented by the Three of Pentacles. And then Mars takes its turn moving into the second decan of Sagittarius, which is uh, associated with the nine of wands so we will look at those as we move along along our journey here today um, essential dignities for the week 
Um, actually, before I get to the essential dignities, I wanted to give a, a couple shout outs, a couple plugs really quickly. Um, because I, I, I'm, my, my uh, Friday when we were having the full moon eclipse uh, and the Mercury Kazemi moment was punctuated by receiving this. And I promise I'm not, a, I'm not being paid anything by Honeycomb Collective, but um, I don't know if you want to sponsor the, the videos. <laughs> I'm open to it. But this is actually a really great, uh, really great product that um, I've been seeing a lot of astrologers using. And it's, it's a personalized, uh, personalized daily planner for 2020 from a company called the Honeycomb Collective. You can see that here. And what they do is they take your birth information and they give you uh, not only the aspects of each particular day, uh, but the aspects on how they're relating to your own personal chart. And I thought that was really cool. And I thought that was a, an awesome idea. I, I've been using a version of this uh, for my weekly forecast. This is the Jim Maynard um, Astrological Date Book that's portable and has a similar kind of thing in it, but it's not not personalized it's just the kind of overall transits which is definitely useful um, but this kind of takes it to the next level and th they aren't making this Jim Maynard one this year so I thought there was a it was a perfect time to transition over to using this this new thing it also shows you like the uh, the transits uh, on a more macrocosm level um, for your own chart uh, gives you an overview uh, like a kind of a calendar style thing with your own transits in blue and the, the collective ones in gray. Um, just really cool stuff here. There's also, it's kind of like their own little mini ephemeris too. Um, an ephemeris being a tool that astrologers use to track the movements of the planets over longer term cycles. Um, just really happy with this. They got it out to me really quickly too. Um, it was, uh, they gave me a, they sent me a digital version first while I was waiting for the other thing to be printed, but I, I got the print copy within one or two weeks. It wasn't, wasn't very long at all, actually ahead of schedule for delivery. So really happy with them. You can visit them on their website. I believe it's honeycomb.co uh, is their website or they're on Instagram as well. If you look up honeycomb underscore co. Uh, really good stuff and I wanted to give them a shout out and really happy with with this product so check it out Another thing I wanted to talk about too just before we move along is I received my new 2020 posters from Chris Brennan and the astrology podcast and you can see behind me the 2019 version I haven't gotten around to hanging up the 2020 versions but uh, in this tube is the 2020 posters where you will see kind of a, a monthly overview for each month um, with the uh, poster behind me and then you can see also above my ear here this is a poster that has the retrograde cycles which is very handy uh, there's two other posters that come with this one is one that shows the um, the meaning of the houses in a, in a handy dandy poster and then the uh, this a poster with the signs on it really cool stuff and they do a really great job of it I've, I've been using that for I think the last couple years in a row this is my third purchase so i'm i'm very happy with that product and that's a, another great way to keep keep up with the astrological transits the last thing that i'll, I'll talk about is i there is another um, digital calendar that i use from uh, a woman named uh, molly i believe she pronounced it uh, gautier no it's g-a-u-t-i-e-r uh, it's a french i'm sure there's a french pronunciation there that i would butcher uh, but she has a, um, a file that you can upload to your iCalendar or your Google Calendar that shows all of the, you know, 
moon cycles and the major aspects uh, right in your little Google calendar on your phone. So that's another really great tool. And I, I've been using that for the last few years as well. So, so check her out as well. Mal, I believe it's Molly's Astrology is her website. So I just wanted to shout out to some, some people that I think they're doing some really great work and give you the thumbs up. And, and it, it takes a lot of resources to uh, make this, this weekly um, forecast. And I just wanted to you know, show you some of the things that I use every week, just, just to give you some reference points. This is what my notes look like every week, okay? I, every week I do like a, uh, I write down all the aspects for the week. I write down all the notes that I have regarding it. Um, it's very detailed. It takes me a couple hours to do that, but it helps me solidify it in my brain before I start. There's two books I wanted to shout out to as well. You'll hear me referencing this a lot, but this is 36 Faces by Austin Kopek, who does a really great job. Um, I believe a new version of this is coming out very soon, so keep your eyes peeled with that because this, this one is out of print. But once it, once it is out, I would highly suggest you snap it up because it's probably the best treatment of the decans that, um, that I've found. And it's been really useful for me understanding the tarot and the relationship between the zodiac and the tarot. It's, it's a very valuable resource. Every single week I read about what decan the planets are moving into and it helps to spark ideas that I have about what to talk about in the, in the show here. Um, the other one that I really appreciate is, uh, this is Ren Butler's The Archetypal Universe, which talks about uh, the combinations of different planetary, um, different planetary combinations, like, for example, Uranus and Mercury this week is in a square, so I will look up the chapter in that and read and get all sorts of images to kind of, you know, kind of expand on and things like that. Really great book right here by Ren Butler, so a shout out. Those are, the, those are my resources that I use every single week when I do one of these. Excuse me, I'm a little clumsy this morning. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to, to just show you some of those things because um, there's people doing great work out there. And as astrologers, we're not always uh, doing all this in a vacuum, we're not just like pulling this stuff out of thin air. We're just building on each other's work and, and being able to uh, be inspired by other astrologers. And, and I'm just kind of the messenger with all these things. I, I'm just saying, hey, I found this stuff. This is what's going on. And hopefully it's helpful for you. And hopefully the next generation of astrologers, maybe you'll watch a video here and you'll be able to share it with your friends and talk about it with them. And, and then the, the cycle keeps on, keeps on spinning and repeating. Okay, let's get to the essential dignities after the little sharing is done here. Sorry, my notes are falling down. Usually I have to like make sure that they're, there we go. Don't fall down. Okay. Such a dignity for this week. Uh, the sun is in the third decan of Capricorn where it has dignity by face. It is the decanic ruler of the third decan of Capricorn. And we talked about that a lot last week as we have this huge planetary pileup in this third decan that is ruled by the sun uh, and associated with this four of pentacles card where we see a figure on, on the throne of material achievement becoming an administrator of uh, the things that he has created. And there is a lot of themes that go along with authority and, and asserting your authority like a CEO would. Um, there's also a lot of talk in this about uh, how do we manage the resources that we have in the world. And th those themes have been coming up with, uh, you know, things like, oh, I don't know, you know, income equality, uh, you know, how we're managing the earth's resources or the lack thereof, 
things like climate change and things like that, where we have shared resources that may or may, you know, may be contributing to some of the challenges that we've been seeing on a global level. Um, and a necessity for some of those things to potentially to change with Saturn and Pluto uh, being there. So this, this, is, this Deccan has really had some thematic importance. Um, the Sun has been in the terms of Saturn uh, from 22 to 26 degrees, and then we'll be moving into the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. And remember, that's the same term as terms is the same word for bound Lord. And that's like the, the curriculum setter for, for the planet. So the sun is going to be getting its divine assignments, basically, from Saturn um, on, on many levels because it's drawing resources from Saturn being in the sign of Capricorn in its domicile. And then it's getting the terms set by Saturn and then eventually by Mars. So we'll see a little bit of shift in the way that we assert our authority from one that may be a little bit more um, restrictive or sober to one that may be a little bit more action orientated towards the end of the week with Mars becoming the, the bound lord. Uh, Saturn itself is moving through that same decan, the third decan of Capricorn, where it is is the ruler of that sign, uh, the domicile ruler. Uh, it's on its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. It'll be still on its own terms since it moves so slowly. So we have a really strong Saturn right now. So things like uh, contraction, um, feeling those those labor pains of constriction are going to be uh, very prevalent in the collective. Um, remember, Saturn is, is teaming up right now with Pluto to, to kind of supercharge that, that, that energy uh, where we may be feeling very motivated to create boundaries, to uh, release what no longer serves us, to do what is necessary to move our lives forward. Saturn was the, the concept of the exclusion and necessity. So those are something that, that we are exploring with a very strong Saturn. This is a great time to Saturn up, so to speak, and, and just get all the things done that may not be fun, but maybe um, maybe really things that you actually need to do that you don't want to do. It's kind of that Rolling Stones energy where you know you can't always get what you want, but sometimes if you try sometimes, you get what you need, right? Uh, <laughs> I used to sing that to my small daughter when she was, you know, had to like brush her teeth or something and she just wanted to go to bed or whatever and and anything like that where she was doing something where she couldn't get where she wanted where she, what she wanted when she had to delay gratification for something um and that's that's that saturn energy um okay jupiter is going to be shifting a little bit this week jupiter is moving through the um first decan of capricorn at the beginning of the week where it's in its fall and it is also in its own decan or face. So it has some extra power in that first decan. Uh, it's also on its own terms from 7 to 14 degrees uh, of Capricorn. So even though it's, it's in its fall or at the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune or in a sign that it's not super comfortable in, it has a little bit of dignity at the beginning of the week as it has for the last week or two. Uh, but then it'll be moving into the second decan of Capricorn where it loses that dignity by face and um, but still retains the the being its own bound lord. Um, it will be in its fall still, so it's 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 a, it's like I said, it's a Jupiter that is a little bit challenged right now. And in that second decan of Capricorn, we see that um, three of Pentacles, right? Where maybe with Jupiter we are deciding where to plant our seeds. Uh, with that two of pentacles energy with the figure that was juggling two pentacles and now it's moving into this blueprint phase where it's it's it wants to build 
Now, the challenge with this is that uh, Jupiter wants to expand, but it's being given the resources of Saturn, which is kind of the principle of contraction. So it's a little bit of like a, you know, driving with a foot on the brake type of, of energy. Um, one of the things that I was reading about in my research was that one of the dangers of the second decan of Capricorn with Jupiter there is, is overcommitting to things, right? Because you're not being given the resources really that you need to, to match with the vision that you might have. Like imagine these three figures are talking about how to build an ornate pyramid or structure, right? And they're like, okay, we've got this really detailed plan. And, uh, but, but in the background, there's somebody that's like, you know what? We don't actually have the budget for that. And, and they're kind of ignoring him. Okay. <laughs> like I would say that's kind of what's going, that's what's happening with Jupiter here. Uh, they're like getting really excited about the plan. They're like, let's do this, 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 and this. And there's a voice of reason in the background being like, I don't know, you know, that sounds really expensive. And they kind of are like, I don't care. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. And imagine what happens when you kind of overextend yourself and you try to enact a plan that you may not actually have the time, energy, or commitment for, for seeing it through. So that's the danger of, of Jupiter in this decan. It's, it's kind of hubris, right? Hubris is where we are a little bit overly ambis ambitious and we think that we know a little bit better than the universe does or than God does or the divine does. And, you know, hubris is something that comes before the fall. So be very careful of, of overcommitting yourself because you could be setting yourself up for some kind of painful contraction that would come later. doesn't mean that you can't have a plan. It just means that your plan should probably be a little bit more practical, a little bit more down to earth, a little bit more... Uh, of a daily uh, unfolding rather than this grand giant scheme. So I think that's the way to, to uh, align yourself with this energy in a healthier way is a little bit more being a little bit more humble in the goals that you're setting for yourself. And sometimes that expansion is coming through contraction. Okay. Uh, discipline, mental discipline is really important for this. Um, yeah, the other issue with that that Jupiter being in the second decan is that decan's ruled by Mars. So you may want to take action on the plan, and that could that could complicate things a little bit too. Where the the first decan was Jupiterian and or jovial, and this second decan is martial. So it's kind of like we're kind of trying to drive drive ourselves forward with with those new plans. And um, I would just say that what Saturn wants is things to be slow and slow, patient growth. Mars wants to try to speed that growth up. So that's why I talk about driving with the foot on the brake, right? It's this kind of grinding out, right? So just it, it balances the key. All right, Venus is going to be in the third decan of Aquarius at the beginning of the week where it is peregrine. Uh, it is on the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. So at the very beginning of the week, um, early Monday, because it's not going to be there very long this week, we're still going to be experiencing a, kind of a difficult Venus where things may feel a little heavy. Uh, but the good news is, is that at 1.38 p.m. on Monday, the 13th, Venus moves into its exaltation. And its exaltation uh, is in the sign of Pisces. So we're, we're, Venus is moving into Pisces 1, which is a mutable water sign. So it's moving out of a fixed air sign. So a little bit of a more immobile, detached Venus is moving into one that's a little bit more flexible, a little bit more receptive, uh, a little bit more willing to maybe harmonize, right? Because what, what Venus wants is to harmonize and to allow things to come to her. So with Venus in Pisces now, Venus is a very receptive sign. It will, 
I'm sorry, Pisces is very receptive. It's water is the type of element that will mold to its container. So that that type of energy is very supportive for Venus, where we may be um, taking, we're going to be less detached, less thinking about all the bigger pictures and all those things that separate us. Because remember, Saturn is about separation and exclusion. And Jupiter wants to confirm, all right? Pisces is a a Jupiter-ruled sign. So when Venus is in a Jupiter-ruled sign, there's a, there's a natural harmony w- between those two benefics where we're kind of, you know, Venus is greasing the wheels to that confirmation and bridge building between two things. So that is a, an improvement in Venus's condition. Venus also has, is the triplicity, triplicity ruler of the water signs by day. So there's triplicity rulership by day and it'll be, Venus will be in its own terms, setting, setting the curriculum from zero to 12 degrees of Pisces. So a whole lot of dignity for Venus. Um, the only challenge I can see with this really is that Jupiter is going, its host, Jupiter, is going to be in its fall. So it, it, this isn't going to be as good as it would, could have been if Jupiter was in a more comfortable position, but I still think that this is a very positive change for Venus and Venus things are, are going to be supported. Also, Venus can witness her host. There's a sextile aspect between Jupiter and Venus, and that's always a good thing when a planet can see its host. Remember, we had a, a concept called an aversion where a sign was on either si- side of a sign where it's a blind spot where a planet cannot see its, ho- its host. And that, that's kind of like staying at someone's home and they, they don't even know that you're there. Um, so Venus will be able to see its host now, uh, and that is a good thing as well. All right. Mars is going to be moving in the first decan of Sagittarius into the second decan. Uh, it is in the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees of Sagittarius. Uh, again, it's an immutable fire sign, so we may be a little bit more, there may be some flexibility that's happening with, with our martial uh, energy. Um, but again, this is, this is a, a, a challenging position for Mars. It is peregrine. It doesn't really have any dignity. It's going to be moving into the uh, second Decan of Sagittarius. And actually, before I move on to that, I'm going to go back to Venus for a second because I want to show you the car associated with this. Um, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Sorry. I'm going to wait. I'm going to talk about the second decan of Sagittarius first, and then we'll go back to that during our, our dailies. Sorry. So the first decan of Sagittarius, I believe, is the Mercurial ruled Deccan. It's Mercury ruled. So there's, it's about speed. It's about moving forward. It's about communicating our beliefs. Uh, the second Deccan is ruled by the moon. So the moon is more associated with the body and bringing things into manifestation. And the second Deccan of Sagittarius is all about the union of the body and the will. So we may be seeing an ability more to um, bring our beliefs more into physical reality with Mars moving into the second decan of Sagittarius. Uh, now, the card associated with that is the nine of wands. And you could see someone who's maybe sustained an injury, excuse me, or is a little bit weary from battle, but is standing his ground and getting ready maybe to fight again. Um, all of the Sagittarian um, cards sort of depict, um, I would say, a feeling of like uh, exerting a lot of energy and, and maybe some of the fatigue that comes through that. I, had a, I have a, a theory that is based on the Thema Mundi and, the, and how the, the signs fall in that. And 
of course, in the Thema Mundi, Cancer is on the ascendant. And, and then if you, put, if you put all the signs in the different houses of the Thema Mundi, Sagittarius falls in the sixth house and Gemini falls in the twelfth. So there's this kind of like sixth house, twelfth house energy, I think, to Gemini and Sagittarius. And sixth house is all about challenging fortune or bad fortune, where we're kind of having to grind things out. Maybe it's, it was associated with slavery back in, back in the day before we kind of whitewashed it a little bit. Um, about being ridden to, to exhaustion, right? And, and that's what we see in the third decan of Sagittarius. But the second decan is about directing the will and directing the body to be in service of the will, okay? So that may be some of the themes we see with Mars in the second decan of Sagittarius this week is really trying to take action in the physical reality that reflects our belief system, okay? All right. Mercury is moving through the third decan of Capricorn, where it is peregrine, and then changing signs into the first decan of Aquarius, which was associated with this Five of Swords card, um, where it does gain some dignity. It gains triplicity rulership by the nighttime because Mercury is the triplicity or the elemental, one of the elemental rulers of the air signs at night. And it will be on its own terms from zero to seven degrees. We'll talk about that as we go through our weekly too. But in general, Mercury is going to be um, getting a burst of objectivity, an ability to communicate being in a fixed air sign. Uh, it's going to feel a little bit less heavy. Our, our thoughts may move towards innovative or unique or maybe very eccentric solutions to problems rather than feeling the weight of that earthy Saturnian Capricorn sign. We may feel a little bit, some of the depression lifting a little bit, but it's still Saturn ruled. So we, we're still thinking about necessity and things that have to be done, but we may be finding ourselves moving towards thinking on a more global scale, um, thinking in a more a bigger picture, thinking with, with Mercury moving into the first decade of Aquarius. Uh, and we'll explore that a little bit more as we go along. Okay, so that's our uh, Essential Dignity Report here. Let's get to our dailies and what's going on. I'm going to share my screen here. Sharing the screen. Sharing the screen. I'm recording this on a Sunday. I always feel different when I'm recording these on different planetary days. Sometimes you'll see me recording these on a Friday, which is Venus's day. Other days, I'll, you'll get a really heavy report on Saturday, on Saturn's Day, which is last week's. And today I'm doing this a little bit late in the game on Sunday, but there's definitely a, a more of a solar quality to it today. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to, to see it in real time and kind of the different vibe to when we actually record these, these videos as well. Okay, well, let's look at Monday here. Uh, on the beginning of the week, we're going to be starting out with uh, the moon in Leo moving into Virgo at about 9.06 a.m. We've got a disseminating moon this week. I actually didn't talk about the moon in the Dignity Report, um, but the moon is going to be waning from the, uh, from the full moon, okay, which means it is moving past the opposition. It's going to be moving into a sextile with the sun, into that disseminating phase, you can see right here. And the sextile is of the nature of Venus, so there's, there's a harmonious relationship between the lights that we're moving into after the challenge of the opposition at the full moon, which is of the nature of Saturn. So at the disseminating phase, we're maybe seeing the fruits of the, of the cycle come to, to, to ripen, and we're able to use some of the lessons that we've learned and, and maybe share them with others. And that's what we're going to see with the moon moving into Virgo. Um, 
the moon has dignity in Virgo. It is, I believe, the ruler of the, the triplicity ruler of the earth signs at night. Um, it's peregrine in Leo, triplicity rulership at night in Virgo. It has some dignity by face in the first decan of Libra, and then it's in its fall in Scorpio throughout the week. But the beginning of the week, this could be a, a sort of a, a, a little bit more of a um, positive relationship between the two lights. Now, remember, we have the, the sun represented by the, the will, the soul, the ability to command authority, and the moon, about which is bringing things into manifestation. We've got the realm of spirit, okay? Spirit, and we have the realm of fortune, represented by the moon. And fortune was kind of about the manifestation of things here in the earth. So there's a positive communication between the moon, which wants to bring things into manifestation, and the will and the spirit, or the divine will. Okay, so keep an eye out that for the beginning of the week. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing, as I, I'm going to erase this here, is the first aspect we have of the day is the sun conjoining Pluto right here. Now, this is an echo. This is one of those reverberations of the Mercury conjunction that we had with both Saturn and Pluto over the weekend and the, the Pluto-Saturn conjunction itself. So the sun is going to be shining its light on each of these things and kind of um, bringing this more to consciousness. Like some of these things, this conjunction may have been brewing underneath the surface. And when one of the lights moves over top of it, I think that that's going to bring it more into our conscious self rather than having it just being a deep feeling or a deep subconscious type of feeling that we maybe have experienced maybe leading up to this. So sun Pluto, right? This could, you know, this is, these are some of the notes that I took from Ren Butler's book that I showed you. It talks about intense drive and enthusiasm, ruthless drive for power, the urge to dominate, perhaps a power trip that you may have since the sun is associated with uh, masculine authority figures or commanding action. Uh, you have to be careful not to get too like draconian about the way that you are issuing your desires. Um, you, there could be abusive or controlling authority figures because remember, Pluto brings things up from the underworld to be dealt with, to be purified. But it, it, what we're seeing now is the light being shined on the corruption. So we may see after this weekend a, a, light, a real light being shown on the corruption of some of our uh, authoritative systems that we may have on a grander scale and potentially in our personal lives as well. So this could be the time where uh, authority figures represented by sol solar authority figures that are very maybe Capricornian in nature, right? Remember that four of thrones? Maybe <laughs> we, we see this. We saw this. This is, this is the death of kings. This is the death of a monarchy. Uh, this is happening in the news that, that, that one of the... Um, members of the royal family, right? Meghan Merkel and, and what, what's his name? Prince Harry. Uh, they're basically, you know, leaving the royal family and moving away from England. This is like the beginning of the end of a monarchy, so to speak. We may see a, a new uh, collective focus on the impeachment trials of a, of a masculine authority figure in the United States. There, maybe there's some other corruption that comes to light. Um, over the course of the week as we move forward through that, that process. Um, all of these things can be uh, collective themes that we're experiencing. 
Um, this is a, a very powerful moment, though. We, we want to, the, 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 we're dealing with primal forces, right? Feelings of compression. That's what we were talking about with Saturn and Pluto, where we're feeling the contraction, but it's the contraction of the, it's the labor pains before the birth of something else. We're ending a, a Saturn-Pluto cycle and ending a Saturn cycle in general as Saturn moves Kazemi uh, in, in the, it, this day as well. So we're, we're seeing the birth of something new that's related to the Saturn-ruled area of your chart, which could be the two houses that are right next to each other with Capricorn and Aquarius here. Okay. In this case, this is an Aquarius-ruled chart. So this person, quote-unquote, could be experiencing some kind of new start in regards to their you know, personality, their, their persona, the way they present themselves, and you know, some of the challenges they may have through the 12th house, like their their own self-undoing or like the ways that they deal with transcending some of the more negative karma that is that manifests as uh, potentially as um, depression or as, as a discouragement or a discouraging inner voice. Uh, perhaps it's a need to, to manifest more rest or to take things on a more a slower level that could be something that they they're experiencing a new start with all sorts of ways we can interpret that right um yeah so if you're experiencing that we all are on the collective recognize that something is dying and there's something that's painful that is allowing you to make a new start and and i really want to emphasize that because we can get really fixated on what we're losing and we need to really kind of acknowledge that we don't want to like you know, be too like flippant about that because a lot of the times we, we make healthier new beginnings when we complete the old cycle completely, right? This is sort of like being able to take some time between a relationship. It's like you don't want to just, you know, get into a whole new relationship before you've processed the old one or you might repeat the same mistakes that you made in the old relationship. This is, this is something really important is you have to learn the lessons of the previous cycle and integrate them, okay? This is part of that, that balsamic phase. We were, going through, we were going through a balsamic phase the last few weeks of this Saturn-Pluto solar cycle, right? Where we're integrating and consolidating all the lessons into a seed that is going to be planted for the new cycle. But we've got to do the work of that consolidation so that the seed is strong, Okay. And if we go forward too fast, we can just get into a relationship or into a new cycle that isn't healthy because we're just hanging on to the old stuff that isn't really part of our new reality, okay? Um, so take the necessary time to mourn whatever is going out of your life and then day by day, move forward with the, the rebuilding of your new reality, okay? All right. Uh, at 8.41 a.m., the moon is going to be opposing Venus uh, from Leo to Aquarius, kind of one of the last aspects before Venus changes sign into Pisces. So there may be some last gasp of, of that, you know, uh, Aquarius-Leo energy where there's some sort of relationship challenge potentially in the beginning of the day that may you may feel a sense of relief on or a breakthrough with as M Venus moves into Pisces uh, later in the day. Um, the moon moves into Virgo at 9.06 a.m. Then we have our, our Saturn-Sun conjunction at 22 degrees at 10.15 a.m. These are all happening sort of concurrently, but 
Sun-Saturn conjunctions, if, if I tell you some of the themes with Ren Butler, this is about responsibility, self-discipline, having caution and self-restraint, issuing the necessary commands. This was something that I, I kind of extrapolated from Robert Schmidt's way of thinking of the sun as the commanding presence um, and the necessity that you have to, to do being associated with Saturn. So it's kind of like we have to kind of use our authority in a way that may not be fun, but maybe an, a necessary way to move us forward. Okay? This can also be associated with maybe potentially a lack of confidence with a little bit of feeling the weight. Um, remember, the sun is associated with the light. Saturn is associated with the darkness. And when Saturn comes together with the sun, it can kind of you know, feel heavy on our sense of, uh, of self, on our b- being able to shine our light. Um, it can feel weighty. Um, so there may be a little bit of like a, crisis of confidence when you have Saturn. You feel restricted in a way. Um, one of the images that Ren Butler talks about is Kronos devouring his children. And I was a, a member uh, of the audience in a really awesome talk that my teacher, uh, Bhava, um of Nightlight Astrology put on with a panel discussion um, over the last week where they were talking about Saturn-Pluto. And this was a uh, uh, some great, great astrologers there, including Becca Tarnas, Jason Holly, Samuel Reynolds, Greg Crawford, um, Rebecca Gordon, and there was another one. Well, of course, Achuto was there, and I, th- I believe I may be forgetting someone. If I did, I apologize in advance. But an awesome lineup. Oh, Lisa Shine was there too, filling in for. Um, I believe Jen Zart, who was sick. Or no, not sick. She had a baby. <laughs> she was going through the labor pains, right? Um, so, so yes, a, a, an awesome panel. Super, like the IQ in the room was off the charts. And they were talking about these labor pains and about there was some talk about the mythological archetypes of Kronos devouring his children and then it's kind of like expelling of them, coming back up, right? They had to be eventually Jupiter, was, or Zeus was, was the one that got Kronos to throw them back up, right? And we've got Jupiter in the mix here too. And we're seeing that. We've, we had like the, the, the oppressive consumption, like the, the masculine authority figure abusing his power and then some kind of like uh, expelling the corruption. And that's Pluto's job along with, with Jupiter or Zeus, okay? Getting, bringing that corruption to light and kind of creating a, either a regurgitation or a rebirth or a regeneration, all right? Now, this is the Saturn-Kazemi cycle. You can see that Saturn has been moving. Like, if I go back a few days, um, you can see that Saturn is going to be the evening star, right? Moving into the conjunction and move forward. It's moving from the, infer- this is called the inferior conjunction, of Saturn and Pluto, or Saturn and the Sun, sorry. It's moving in this direction of primary motion, okay? That's of the nature of the Sun, right? And we have the secondary motion, the zodiacal motion. This is the superior conjunction when it's coming from this direction. Um, Outer planets, superior planets, I believe, only have a conjunction from the superior angle. The inferior conjunction happens with um, Mercury and Venus, um, but the outer planets, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars, only have a conjunction, I believe, unless there's a retrograde close by. But no, that's not true. That's not true. They go. Th- they only make the conjunction 
from the inferior position and then they go through this cycle here and when they're retrograding that's over here okay at like the trines and there's a retrograde and it appears to be in an opposition and then it goes here and then it goes stations direct at the next trine and then it moves into the conjunction so that's what our saturn has been doing for for quite some time all right that's our saturn cycle that we're getting a rebirth of so I want you to look at the Saturn ruled area of your chart where Aquarius and Capricorn are in your chart and look at those two houses and the themes and the planets within them because those are going to be getting some sort of uh, solar rebirth. Remember the, the sun was like a furnace or like a, a forge. So Saturn's moving into the forge of the sun, getting kind of like removed all the old stuff. This was a very old Saturn for a while and now it's a baby Saturn right? <laughs> it's sort of the antithesis of Saturn, but it's like a little baby Saturn that you may see a new start in those two areas of your chart that are going to be uh, giving you some new themes to work with, okay? So, and if you need help with that, you can always reach out for a reading. I've had some people reaching out for year ahead readings, which is super cool, and um, doing some electional work too, which is fun. So, always happy to, to help you out with that, um, got time to, to do that. So reach out if that's something you want to do. Okay. So that's our Saturn Kazemi. All right. And that happens around 10, 15 AM on Monday, Monday morning. Uh, the next aspect of the day, the moon is going to be trining a newly, uh, a newly direct Uranus. So you can see this here, the moon in Virgo at two degrees is going to be making a trine to direct Uranus. So hopefully you've started to implement some of the new innovative solutions to dealing with your material resources or dealing with whatever Taurus represents in your chart. In this chart, it's the fourth house of home, family, you know, your roots, your domicile, where you live. This, this Aquarius rising chart could potentially be dealing with renovating a home in a new way, living in a new place. And it's, there's a trine now from the moon to that, having a, a positive relationship with the shared resources that they have. So maybe there's a, a new agreement, like a, a new rental lease agreement or something like that. Or maybe you and your partner have, uh, you know, had some discussions about how to split the, the household responsibilities. And now it's a positive conversation between those and that's bringing things into form. Okay. So those are just a couple ways that can manifest. So keep your eye out for that. That's at 1.28 PM. And then at 1.38 PM, uh, Venus moves into Pisces. So we can see that here. I'm going to move this, my chart forward a little bit. There it is right there. Okay. Venus and Pisces hanging out with Neptune. Okay. Well, that's quite a dreamy combination. Uh, and this is going to shift Venus's relationship to all the other planets too. A couple of things to keep an eye out. There's a sextile with Venus with all the Pluto and Capricorn stuff by whole sign. Okay, so a positive communication starting to happen with Venus and all of these Capricorn planets. And then a square with Mars. Okay, so we're going to be experiencing uh, a harmonious conversation between an exalted Venus and Pisces between all the Capricorn stuff. And then a challenging conversation with Mars in, in um, Sagittarius. 
So there may be some conflict between your, your vision and the way that you are taking action on that vision, um, your desire potentially to be more receptive and, your, and your, um, also your desire to take uh, more of an externalized action. So there's, I think over the weeks to come, we may be seeing a little bit of friction or tension between um, allowing things to come to us and aggressively pursuing them. And they're both in Jupiter-ruled signs of Sagittarius and Pisces. And Jupiter, again, is in its fall. Okay, So we may have some really ambitious goals that we're trying to enact, but there's this push and this pull between are we receptive? Are we trusting spirit? Are we trusting uh, you know, our ability to conform to what is necessary or to take the shape of the cup, so to speak, with Venus in a water sign? And our, and our ability to take externalized masculine fire energy and i mean masculine by just aggressive externalized in that form of the word right um and mars is very kind of like you know phallic with with its action orientated things here so we've got a, a classic clash of like feminine and masculine energies here and this is this could, is an internal battle too because we both have these energies within us so we may be a little bit confused about whether we are wanting to be receptive or be uh, be aggressive. Okay, so that's something that we're going to have to work out in the weeks ahead. Okay, um, I just wanted to show you the card associated with the Eight of Cups or the first decan of Pisces. You could see, I don't know if you can see in my little figure here, I've got a figure that is walking away or abandoning his Eight Cups of Attainment. All right, this is called uh, Abandon Success stagnation or the labyrinth according to Austin Kopic. So this, I, and if I extrapolate this out to my uh, Thema Mundi theory, Pisces is associated with the ninth house in the Thema Mundi right here, which is associated with taking pilgrimages to find meaning associated with this 10th house of action out in the world and then moving away from achievement or action in the world to find a sense of purpose or meaning. So I think with Pisces in this, or Venus in this first decade of Pisces, we may be really trying to find out why we're doing what we're doing and trying to merge with some kind of higher purpose. And there may, that may be part of the question and the conflict with our Sagittarius deck in here, right? where we're saying, well, why are we taking this action? What is really the true meaning of this? If we're taking action without feeling a connection to our higher mind or a higher purpose or our spirit, those actions aren't, probably aren't going to be as effective as they could be if they were supported by a strong uh, belief in what we're doing. This, is, this may be where you have a little bit of a crisis of confidence where it comes to like, man, I'm doing all this work, I'm doing all this stuff, but what is the real meaning of this, right? What is the real purpose of this? And you may have an inclination to uh, leave behind what you thought was real in search for something higher. And this could also be re re in regards to um, trying to achieve a material goal. And when you get closer to the material goal, realizing that that material goal is not the be-all, end-all. So you may be abandoning some material goal in search of a more spiritual goal. And that's really some of what are the themes that we're going to see with Venus moving through the first decade of Pisces. Um, this is a great time to 
uh, unify with with some of the people that you may be trying to reach out with. This is a, a good time to um, get people on board with the vision. Maybe what we, you find is an individual goal that you have is not supporting you in the way that a collective goal could. So I think that we have more power as a collective um, if we team up and, and put our heads together and unify like, like what Venus wants, that harmonization. Um, and we may feel more satisfied with, with putting our energy towards something that has uh, not just an, an, a, strictly, a goal strictly from our personal ego, but, but is serving in service of the collective. Okay, something to meditate on. Uh, again, Venus in a water, mutable water sign, you know, in the, in the northern hemisphere, uh, Venus, or I'm sorry, Pisces was the transition time between the chill and the solidification of winter and the kind of the fertile growth of, of spring. And Pisces time around here in the Midwest of the United States is very mucky. All right. It's kind of like soupy where like the snow is melting, there's mud everywhere. It's just everything's merging together. Like Jupiter wants to blend things together, right? And that may be see, what we're seeing with this Venus too is an urge to merge and blend stuff together. Now, that can also create some confusion where details are necessary. So be careful of that too. That could be the downside. Uh, it's, it's almost like Venus and Mercury are sort of an antithesis to one another. This is another thing I've learned about dignities through my teacher, Adam Ellenboss, and through... Um, through other Hellenistic authors is Venus has its exaltation in a Jupiter ruled sign right here where we're merging things into a, a unified whole. Now Venus has its fall in Virgo, which is a Mercury ruled sign, which is all about the details, right? So it's almost like the, uh, the qualities of Venus and Mercury I'm sorry, Venus and Jupiter are definitely in opposition to one another. So when Venus is in a Jupiter-ruled sign, it, it's more akin, it's, more, it's happier and more, has a more of a relationship with Jupiter and bringing things together. Whereas when it's in a sign like a Mercury-ruled sign, it's trying to separate things out. And that's not really um, Venus's nature. It's very uncomfortable in this sign because it doesn't want to like separate things out into categories. It wants to bring things together. So you could see that. One little thing I had in uh, class the other day too, I've been retaking or sitting in on one of Achutabhava's year one classes too. Just it's always good to get a refresher. I'm in his, I'm most of the way through his year two class. I've been in his Hori class. I've completed in, uh, my certificate in the year one class, but you know, I always like getting a refresher on these things. And one thing I picked up in his last lecture was Mercury having both exaltation and um, domicile within uh, the sign of Virgo, which I knew that, but the, the rationale behind it was cool, where Mercury can hold the, the senses, the, the two different types of opposites, okay? The opposites, one of the opposites being the ones that are kind of at odds with one another, Okay, which is the nature generally of the sun and Saturn. And he says that the domicile rulerships are of the nature of the sun. And the one that is of the nature of the moon, which exaltation and fall is of the nature of the moon, where they're kind of, those opposites are blending into one another as like a, a yin-yang cycle or like kind of have the little seed of the opposite within the other. 
So two different types of opposites, one where there's a division that is irreconcilable and another that is just a cycle that's flowing into the other. And since Mercury has this ability to hold the duality of opposites within it, it has both of those qualities within the exaltation and the domicile in Virgo. And then of course it's fall and it's exile in Pisces. So pretty darn cool. That was a cool realization because I was, that was always confusing to me is how can Mercury be both exalted and domicile on the same sign, blah, blah, blah. But I think it, it definitely speaks to the versatility of Hermes. All right. Uh, the last aspect of the day uh, on Monday is a square from the moon to Mars at 8.59 p.m. Um, Mercury ruled sign of Virgo. And here we see this with Jupiter ruled sign Sagittarius. So there may be some conflict with the details of your plan that come up that have to be worked through. Of course, that's a very short, short uh, aspect that is, is just passing, so to speak. Okay. All right. Tuesday, the 14th. Let's move forward. Let's see what we can do here. All right. On Tuesday, the 14th. Um, let me back it up a little bit to the beginning of the day. Only lunar aspects for the day. We're go we have a disseminating phase, which the disseminating, as I talked about, was has the nature of Venus and the sextile between the sun and the moon. Uh, the first aspect of the day is a trine between the moon in Virgo and Jupiter in Capricorn at 9 degrees, 107 a.m., very early in the morning. Um, we have an opposition to Neptune at 12.27 p.m., uh, and then a trine from the moon to both Saturn and Pluto in the late evening. So we have one opposition with the moon to Neptune. So possibly a little bit of confusion between the details and the overall, excuse me, meaning that we're looking for. Okay. So we're trying to find meaning uh, with Pisces in search of meaning, a journey of, of sorts and the implementation of that within the physical detailed reality. And there may be some conflict that comes up with that. Now, the moon is making a positive trine to all these Capricorn planets, uh, including Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, okay? And eventually the sun, but I think that happens early on Wednesday, okay? So, yes, now we are able to see, after we come through potentially some of the the crisis of consciousness with the opposition there to Neptune, okay? Uh, we may be able to start implementing, hopefully, a more realistic plan as we trine all this, all this stuff going on in Capricorn. Those are both Earth signs, so the solutions that we're looking for to the to confusion of Neptune, right, to the illusion is practical day-by-day maybe delayed gratification, detailed uh, manifestation. All right? Okay. Let's move along. Wednesday, the 15th. On Wednesday, the 15th, the moon is in Virgo, moving into Libra at 10.43 a.m., where it does have some dignity in the first decan by face. Um, the moon will be making that tr aforementioned trine to the sun at 1.40 a.m. 
okay, around 23 or 24 degrees here. Uh, and then it would be moving into a trine with Mercury around at 27 degrees at 7.11 a.m. So again, we're going to continue the positive uh, earthy, earthly vibes, uh, the, the practical, practically orientated positive communication between uh, the moon, the manifester moon, and all of this Capricorn um, bigger picture uh, thinking about the blueprint that we want to bring into manifestation, potentially even an ability to let go of the things that aren't serving us. And this, I would say for these Tuesday, Wednesday, this is a great time to get organized because you've got a Virgo moon, you've got a trine to all these Capricorn things. This is a great time to like clean your inbox out or to clean stuff up. Uh, Saturn loves it when you go through stuff and get rid of things that you don't need anymore. So this is really a great time to kind of, you know, have a very uh, discriminating mind about what stays and what goes. So I think those kind of activities are really supported Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. All right. Uh, moon will move into Libra at 1043 a.m. And the only non-lunar aspect we have of the day is Venus making a sextile to newly direct Uranus. Okay, so that's a positive thing too, or positive communication between those two planets at two degrees. That happens at 6.17 p.m. So we're going to feel that most of the day. The lead up of that is going to be manifesting throughout Tuesday and Wednesday. And this could be a, a breakthrough in our relationships. Uh, this could be, we could be attracted to maybe some eccentric things, right? With, with Uranus in the picture and Venus being the planet of desire. Uh, this is where water meets earth. So this is a, a possibly where we are seeding or fueling some of the Uranian changes we've been making in the Taurus ruled area of our chart. Taurus being like the, the field or the earth, the soil, uh, the garden. And we've been really like, I would say we've been uh, taking the plow and digging up and turning over the soil and trying to get to some new energy. And now we've got the watering can here with Venus, okay? really giving it some nourishment and, and, and maybe making it more fertile. So I see this as a very fertile combination for all the new things you're trying to put into action in the Taurus ruled area of your chart. So this could be a really a breakthrough moment where you're, where you're seeding that, that, that new fertile Taurus ground with the nutrients and the, the, the moisture that it needs to be able to plant seeds that will grow into something, something great. Um, this also, so fertility is a, is a, some, this is a very fertile aspect. Uh, Uranus newly direct is one of the images that they talked about in, in, uh, Ren Butler's book was, uh, the, the peacock, right? So this Venus and Uranus combinations, he says, tends to bring out, um, very bright colors, very eccentric ways of being like very flashy Venusian things. Um, so this could be where we're, where we're putting ourselves out there in, in a more, uh, eccentric way or a very uh, intensified way, right? So this could be where if you're, you know, bringing something into manifestation, it could be very vibrant. So there's a vibrancy associated with it. Okay, so let's keep on, keep on rolling, keep on, keep on tr trucking. So that's Wednesday. We go over to Thursday, the 16th. Moon is in Libra for this day, and still in the disseminating phase of the moon, which is kind of the sharing of the ideas that we learned from the previous uh, stages in the cycle, at the, all the realizations that came to light at the full moon eclipse. Um, we should be kind of starting to get 
our wrap our heads around this new um, six month cycle that was initiated from eclipse to eclipse recently with the new moon uh, solar eclipse that happened on the 26th of December and then our full moon lunar eclipse that happened on the 12th of January. Um, no, the 10th, sorry, the 10th. The 12th is the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, this day, we see two lunar aspects, one a sextile from the moon to the Mars and Sagittarius at 1.13 a.m. And then also very early in the morning, the moon will square Jupiter and Capricorn. So you can see these two aspects happening fairly concurrently. Uh, we've got the sextile to Mars and then the square to Jupiter. Okay, so this square is happening in cardinal signs. So there may be something where you're trying to initiate something, uh, potentially through partnership, since Libra is generally associated with partnership, weighing and balancing, and uh, it's a Venus-ruled sign, so there may be some sort of cooperation that's needed uh, in the, to manifest what you want to bring into being, and it's making that square um, with Jupiter in Capricorn, where our ambitions, okay, Jupiter expansion, uh, may be running into a conflict of uh, needing some help, but that conversation may be a little challenging on Thursday. So just watch out for that late Wednesday into early Thursday morning. That should start to dissipate through Thursday, though, since it's, it's happening very early in the morning. Generally, when we have aspects that are applying in the very wee hours of the morning, we're going to feel it late at night the day before. So this may be something we feel late Wednesday. The other thing that we're experiencing on this day is the movement of Mercury into Aquarius. There you go, right there. Mercury in Aquarius, first deck in Aquarius. And this happens at 1.30 p.m. And we, this is the Five of Swords, remember, where we see a, a figure that was in a, perhaps in a conflict and there was a, a winner and a loser. The winner is smugly collecting the spoils of battle and the losers are going off into the wilderness, uh, shamed and into exile. This was the, the Deccan that was associated with the exiled um, folks of society. And the, the other thing that we could see with this, though, is that this is a fairly um, powerful place for Mercury. It has some triplicity rulership. It does have uh, rulership, but it's in its own bounds. It sets its own curriculum. So this is a probably a, a more effective position for Mercury than it was in Capricorn. Um, it is in a fixed air sign, all right? Uh, we may be a little bit more, uh, we may be thinking more objectively with the big picture in mind. Remember, this was everything that was outside of the wall where Capricorn was everything inside. We may have our thoughts been internalized with the feminine earth sign of Capricorn. And now we have this externalized masculine air sign uh, this young air sign, okay, of, of Aquarius. Now we're maybe seeing our ideas that we were gestating in that Capricorn period starting to come out into our conscious selves. And this is a great time to think of an inventive solution. Um, this is associated with, uh, Austin Kobach says, with explorers, inventors, map makers, cartographers. Uh, there's an objectivity to this placement of Mercury. Um, this is, there's a unique perspective that you have when you are an outsider. Uh, when you are an outsider to a system and you're not part of it, when you're like in the world but not of it, you can see the flaws of the system very 
very well. When you know all the rules of the game, you can see how to work potentially outside of that system. So I think that with this, you may find inventive solutions to things if you take the perspective of being someone who is not necessarily of that system. So this is a great time to really think critically about all of the macrocosm things you're a part of and try to really rise above and get that like um, that helicopter perspective on your life and see if there's just things that are are, are not working and you can come up with innovative solutions since Mercury is, is, is somebody who is dexterous and coming up with new ideas for things. So uh, the other thing that this is going to start triggering though is a square between Mercury and Uranus. We're going to talk about that as we move along, but we're going to start feeling that on Thursday. So this may be an issue where your new uh, systems of resource management are coming into conflict potentially with uh, how you relate to the collective. So this could be maybe a conflict with um, you know, the government or, the, or something where you're, you're expecting resources from some sort of organization, but there's, a, there's a, some sort of challenge that needs to be overcome. Okay, let's, let's take a look at Friday the 17th. Friday the 17th. Friday the 17th. Happy birthday to my, to my daughter who is turning 16 on this day. Sweet 16. Happy birthday, kid. Quite a journey. I love you. <laughs> I'll just put that out there for, the, for, the, uh, for posterity that, that she got a shout out on the, the video. It'll be a good day. She's doing a great job. Um, the moon will be in Libra. Uh, it is going to be moving into its last quarter phase at 7.58 a.m. And, and on this day, we experience a number of squares uh, and an opposition. So the moon is going to be making a square. Uh, and I'm going to move back a little while here. Very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. Uh, we're seeing a number of squares between the moon and all of our Capricorn players here. Pluto, Saturn, the sun, eventually Mercury when it moves into um, Scorpio later in the day. So again, this could echo some sort of challenge with needing to team up and create harmony uh, with with some sort of, uh, to bring something into manifestation. I always see with the, the moon in Libra, there's always some kind of thing where we're going to need to maybe um, get someone else's perspective on, on things, where we need to have another opinion in the room, where we need to maybe balance out our needs with someone else's needs. And this is kind of the themes that could come up, especially with this last quarter phase with the sun. Last quarters are always like uh, crises of consciousness. They're of the nature of Mars. Okay? This is where we are reconsidering some of our actions. All right? We've got this square Instead of a physical crisis that we may get at the first quarter, we're seeing some sort of internal crisis where we're like, hmm, maybe that's not what I want, right? Maybe you're considering how your, your new plan, your new Capricorn divine assignment fits in the bigger picture with your relationships. And you may have to really uh, think about how you use your relationships uh, with or how you 
how you act within your relationships when it comes to this Capricorn area of your chart. And this could bring up some really deep-seated things. It could bring up some feelings of blockages with Saturn and Pluto in the mix. Um, and then with eventually with the, the moon moving into a square with, with Mercury later in the day. Uh, so just, just be careful with that. I, I mean, this is, a, again, when we have squares, it's not impossible to come to a consensus. I mean, that, it's different than oppositions. There's some oppositions where we're just completely opposed and there's really no solutions. With the squares, they're, they're, ultimately we could come into potentially into some kind of unity, but it's going to be through maybe an argument, maybe through a, a little bit more of a working through uh, challenges where we have to communicate and use our communication skills to find a win-win solution for everyone. And that may feel difficult at first, but uh, you're going to have to compromise with this, with this aspect here. Okay. All right. Later in the day, the moon's going to move into Scorpio, 1.20 p.m. where it is in its fall. It loses dignity. Uh, it's not super happy there. It's a broody, broody moon, broody, broody moon. Um, and it's going to be squaring uh, Mercury at one degree of Aquarius and Scorpio. So there may be a conflict between your you know, emotions, how you're bringing something into manifestation. It may not be manifesting exactly how you had planned, and that may be frustrating. Okay, Remember, when the moon is in Scorpio, it's, it's, it's not easy to bring things into being. Okay, Like when the moon's in Taurus, when it's exalted, that's the fertile ground. That's the birth moment. Moon wants to bring things into being in Taurus. It's, it, it can do it very easily. But when it's in Scorpio, this is associated with Mars, separation, death, the time where things are going out of being. So we may have a, a challenge bringing things into manifestation when the moon's in Scorpio. And that's going to really be making a conflict with Mercury in Aquarius, where we're really trying to see the big picture. But we may be really fixed in our ideas. There, this, when we have two conflicts, when we have a conflict between two planets and fixed signs, this is when our stubbornness can get the better of us and we, we really need to like kind of maybe hover above our lives here and see how we may be getting a little bit too fixated in our, our position in those areas of our life, the Aquarius and the Scorpio ruled area of our chart, and practice a little bit of flexibility, even though it may be galling <laughs> with those, those two signs. All right, the moon is also going to be making an opposition to Uranus and Taurus. So that could also be setting off some sort of conflict where we want to make a new start. We want to make some sort of new manifestation, but something else has to be let go of first in the Scorpio area of our chart. Um, the, the moon, the lunar significations are bringing us towards um, that, that feeling of consolidation again, where, and it's going to be coming into conflict with this this desire to birth something in a new way. Very late in the evening, after we get past the opposition at 5.55, uh, the moon will be making a trine to Venus in Pisces. So this would be a, 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 a more of a dreamy ending to our day, where we're just going to be in our emotions, we'll let the tears fall, we'll just maybe go watch a movie, or, or just let ourselves merge with the urge to merge, you know, this is a great time to just kind of chill out after maybe a difficult day and uh, let go a little bit. Okay, let's go into our weekend. Doing all right so far? A lot of ground cover. I know that my, my forecasts are fairly detailed. That's just how my brain works. I have, I have three planets in Virgo. I have Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars in, in Virgo, and I just like the details, even though my Jupiter is 
exiled. <laughs> like, I'm trying really hard to make these into more of a coherent whole because I know I can get fixated on some of the little parts, but I've been making an effort lately to kind of see how all the parts fit together. And, and sometimes when we have planets that aren't, aren't in the greatest shape, uh, like Jupiter and its exile, we have to make an extra effort to, to, to use the energy of that planet. doesn't mean we can't do it. It just means it just takes a little bit more attention and a little extra effort. And that's what I've been trying to do lately is I want to be true to myself. I, 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 I'm a detailed person, uh, but um, sometimes we can get overwhelmed with too many of those details and it can be at the detriment of our overall understanding. So I've been kind of, I don't know, going a little bit more quickly through the lunar aspects and focusing on more of the, the more macrocosm things. All right. So the macrocosm thing that we have on Saturday is that, that Mercury Uranus square that I was talking about. You see, that's going to be happening about two degrees. I think we discussed this to a certain degree, but just some notes from, from Ren Butler and the archetypal universe. This can contribute to nervousness, restlessness, an overactive mind. You could have some scatterbrain tendencies. The combination of Mercury and Uranus can lead to a little bit of a, an erratic uh, thinking or erratic thoughts. Um, you could compare this to having too much coffee, feeling very jittery. Um, the the um, themes of the collective with Mercury in, in Aquarius versus the new material structures that we talked about with Uranus and Taurus could be some of the, the what is creating some of the overactive mind. I mean, you potentially are desiring to bring something new into manifestation, but uh, having to fit it within some sort of bigger picture of your life could be leading to some anxiety. And that's, that's normal. This is, this is something that happens when we're trying to bring th new things into being. It's not always smooth. It, it, there, there's always challenges along the way. And this is where your character comes into being. This is where you are overcoming the challenges through the strength of your character, through, through your objectivity with Venus there. That, that's what's really going to get you through this, is having an inventive solution, an objective solution to some sort of material challenge, right? So that's something to think about on Saturday, the 18th, as that perfects at 3.31 a.m. Again, that aspect, we're going to feel that more on Friday as the lead up to it. And in the wee hours, 3.31 a.m., it's going to perfect. Um, lunar aspects for the day, the moon is going to sextile Jupiter at 7.45 a.m. at 10 degrees, Scorpio and Capricorn. And then the moon is going to make a trine to Neptune at 16 degrees of Scorpio to Pisces at 6.13 p.m. Okay, so after we get through the jittery morning uh, and that starts to separate and wane, maybe we've got an innovative solution. We're going to see some positive aspects between the moon and Jupiter and the moon and Neptune, right? So we may be able to feel a little bit more relaxed as we go through the, the, the day on Saturday. It's probably going to start to lessen some of our anxiety as we go through the day. So if your, your morning starts out a little bit supercharged, like just go through your self-care things, like do your meditations, do your journaling, do all those things. Make sure that you're kind of taking, um, taking stock. It's a great day to take stock. I like writing things down. I'm, I'm a compulsive list maker. Sometimes when you can see things from that higher perspective, it, it helps you not to get get fixated on, on some of the tinier things that are creating all of those, of those details, uh, creating that anxiety. All right, on Sunday the 19th, Sunday the 19th, um, 
lunar aspects, okay? We have the moon moving out of its fall and into Sagittarius at 5.40 p.m., continuing the last quarter phase. And then the moon's going to be making some sextiles, all right? The moon is making sextiles to, uh, it's going to go through the same place that we just saw a bunch of, of sextiles from Venus, right? Well, not, not yet, not yet, not yet, sorry. We had some other, oh no, it's a similar place where we were seeing the trines from the, the moon in Virgo. So this may be echoing some of the themes that we had earlier in the week where the moon was making contact with the Capricorn planets. And now we've got a sextile from the this Scorpio ruled area of your chart. You always look at the area of your chart where these things are coming into being from. In the beginning of the week, the Virgo ruled area of your chart is going to be making contact with all that Capricorn stuff. And then towards the end of the week, there may be a change in theme, but it is still a fairly harmonious uh, interaction between Scorpio and um, Capricorn. Now, again, this is water that's, that's fueling some of this um, Capricorn Earth energy. Now, the, the combination of these two planets, Scorpio and Capricorn, though, is, is much more about uh, the fertility that you could bring in by eliminating things, okay? So it's, this is really like growing through consolidating. Whereas these two combinations of planets are definitely, I say, more, more about growth uh, with Pisces and, and Taurus, that, that, that Venus-Uranus uh, kind of combination we are seeing. This is more about the combination of like Saturn and Mars rather than Jupiter and Venus, okay? So we've got a very uh, growth-orientated, benefic energy with Venus and Uranus in the beginning of the week. And then this is more of that malefic energy. And they were just talking about in, in Hellenistic and in medieval astrology about the benefics being uh, conducive to life, Jupiter and Venus, and the malefics being the antithesis of that. You know, Mars being too hot and, and Saturn being too cold and dry. So this is where things are going out of manifestation. But there is a, a lunar aspect here that is helping to have a positive conversation. So remember, I think that this is how I'll kind of, you know, wrap this up for the week, okay? Everything is cycles. Everything is cycles. Uh, you can't have a birth without a death. You can't have, you know, death without birth. They're all part of the, the circle, all right? And our job, I'm going to get rid of all this noise here. Our job is to be in the middle of the wheel. This is where we want to view our life from the center. This is what mystics talk about in all the spiritual traditions is finding your center. We're going to constantly be going through this spinning wheel as long as we're on this earth, okay? But you are not the cycles. You are not the spinning. You are in the center. You are the spirit soul in the center, right? As, as Achyuta Bhava likes to say, we are spirit souls having a material experience. And if you can connect with the center, that can help relieve, relieve a lot of anxiety. If you can, the, the, the greatest gift of astrology is being able to see your life in the context of greater cycles, because we're always going to be either having a a positive experience or, or potentially a negative experience at some point of a unified whole, okay? 
this is just the wheel of fortune. Sometimes you're the, the wheel is you're at the top of the wheel. Sometimes you're at the bottom. Sometimes you're at the point of conflict. Sometimes you're at the point of agreement. And if you can just, that, this is why the, the Buddhists talk about the middle way. That's really like finding your center. It's, it's really about like in the Taoists are like, you know what? Uh, it's the way the, the, the way is, is nature. It's the natural cycles. And when we fight the cycles, that's as human beings, we tend to fight these things. We get so anxious about stuff. But uh, I think that a more, I don't know, I don't know if it's a more enlightened way or just a more natural way is, is acceptance and flow. And that's what they are striving for, I guess, as Taoist monks, Buddhist monks on meditation is getting more in touch with that centralized place, being uh, in touch with the flow of your life and getting just a, a sense of, acceptance and objectivity. Now, acceptance does not mean you just let everything in your life happen without doing anything. Um, that, that was my mistake. I, when I first started studying Taoism and like the, the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching, it was confusing for me because I'm like, does this mean I just never do anything? Because they have this word in Taoism. Well, in, in the translations, the translation is striving. They're like, you don't want to strive for things. And I, I confused that in the beginning with don't do anything. Just sit around like a lump and let things happen to you. That's, that's not what it means. I think what it means is striving is like when we are paddling upstream, right? It's striving is when our life is telling us to do one thing, but we are doing another. Or we are, our life is saying this has ended, but we're trying to hold on to it. Or our life is saying uh, or we are saying, I want this, but our life is saying, this is actually the reality of your situation. Or your, your life is saying, you are required to take this action now, and you are sitting on your ass. That also could be striving, right? That where you're resisting, okay? Um, it's that resistance that causes the suffering. Um, and I think that sometimes we're required to get up off our butts and do stuff. And when we don't accept the changes that are staring us in the face, that's that's not being in the in the flow or in the Tao. That's resisting the Tao, right? So sometimes it's not about just radical acceptance is not about like, oh, I guess this should just happen to me. No, sometimes radical acceptance is saying, I've been given an assignment. I need to take action now. There are other times where you've taken all the actions that you can and you have to let things play out. It's both. And I think that that's really a key. That's a key to my understanding of it. I'm by no means an expert or I'm not a monk or anything like that. I've never been initiated in any special thing. But this is just my own common sense in, in studying these things and studying nature. I mean, I, I really love nature. I've spent a lot of time in nature. And I think that some of the, the greatest inventors and the greatest philosophers in life have really been in touch with the cycles of nature. Like, for instance, like Einstein. He studied the cycles of nature to think to 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 uh, understand mathematical equations and realities and physics. And one of the stories that Robert Schmidt talks about as uh, as he studies Einstein's chart is Einstein started to get uh, started to make mistakes when he got too um, attracted to the abstractions that were removed from his prior observations of nature. And I thought that was, that was just a, a light bulb moment for me because he was coming up with such this, all this genius stuff because he was 
putting himself in alignment with the the natural cycles of things and his genius came from aligning himself with whatever the divine you know unfolding was and he started to make mistakes when he got too attracted to just the abstractions of mathematics of the equations themselves that were removed from nature and man it's just powerful stuff right there i think this is my 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 own opinions here on what we're experiencing collectively and things like this. I read an article. It's not my share for a second. Um, I read an article about the Australian bushfires, right? We've been seeing all the images of that and seeing all the images of animals dying and things like that, which is super tragic. And I, my personal belief is that, yes, we have caused some of these things to happen with climate change and whatnot. That, that's, I don't know if that can be really denied unless you just got your head in the sand um but what i what i saw that that was kind of uh encouraging but also i I don't know i'm trying to process this so there there was an article about um how the aborigines deal with bushfires and they have controlled burns that and this is not this is not a completely new idea but the way that the aborigines were were controlling the the fires was by you know, setting small fires themselves and really, but they were doing that in a way that they were, they had a very intimate relationship with the land and with the grass itself. They could feel the grass and see if it was ready to be burned and if it was in the right, you know, they were paying attention to all the natural symbols around them and had this deep, deep relationship with the, with the land. And I think my personal opinion is this, that needs to return. That's what Uranus in, in Taurus is asking for us right now is how do we get into a, a relationship, back into a relationship with the earth where we're paying attention to the cycles rather than ignoring them for our own personal gain. We've exploited the earth for a long time. And how do we get back in touch with the natural give and take growth and decay cycles that are necessary. Now, the the challenging part of that, I think, is that we have so many people on the earth right now that it it is difficult sometimes to do things on these like kind of smaller, I guess, tribal scales like the Aborigine folks are doing. Um, And this is where the genius comes in. This is where the, uh, the collective inventiveness of Uranus needs to happen. What kind of unique solutions can maybe you come up with or we come up with in, in cooperation that can help move us forward to getting back into alignment with nature. We have uh, one of the faces of this environmental movement, Greta Thunberg, right? But there's this other kid. I don't I remember his name. I should have looked at his name up, but he was an inventor and he, had, he created a system of cleaning the oceans where he was removing gallons and gallons and gallons of plastic from the ocean right? And it's, that's, those are the type of people that we should be exalting in, in addition to the ones that are the whistleblowers and the ones that are calling out the abuses of power. They're both necessary. So both of those figures are equally important. But I think that this is the thing. We need to understand what the problem is. We need to feel the emotions that come with something being corrupted and decayed. And then we have to put our collective energy towards those innovative solutions like this young man that created an invention that's cleaning all the plastic out of the ocean. And it's not just cleaning the plastic out of the ocean. It's how do we change our habits so that we're not repeating those mistakes over and over again. Like it's great that we're treating those symptoms, but we also need to be able to 
get real with our patterns of consumption. If we're not putting, you know, billions of pieces of plastic in the ocean every day, we might not have to clean them up, right? Eventually, after it's clean, we want to not just like treat the symptom, we need to treat kind of the, the internal causes too. So it's both of those things. And I think that that's something that's inspiring to me too, because if we're able to unify and come up with innovative solutions, I mean, it's going to be absolutely necessary. I think our survival, collective survival is going to depend on it. So I encourage you this week to try to come up with innovative communal solutions to some of the issues that you see around you. You don't have to do it alone. And I think that we're more powerful as a collective. And this is going to be especially true as we see Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in air signs moving forward. We have a big one coming up at the end of the year. And I really think that's what the future is going to hold, is how do we band together to figure out these innovative solutions for our collective survival? It's not just about our, our individualistic will powers anymore. And I think that that's going to be more and more important as we move forward. All right, y'all. Well, that's what I've got for, to, for this week's uh, report. Looking ahead to the week of the 20th to the 26th, the sun will move into the Saturn-ruled masculine air sign of Aquarius, the fixed air sign. On Thursday, the uh, 23rd, we will have a sun-Uranus uh, square. That should be fun. Uh, Venus will be sextiling Jupiter. There is a new moon in Aquarius that is squared Uranus. So this will be a, a one that is going to require some, some innovative solutions, but it might not come easy on Friday the 24th. And then Saturday the 25th, Mercury makes a sextile to Mars. And on Sunday, Venus is making that square to Mars that we discussed earlier. All right, that's what I've got. Uh, this is Spencer Michaud. Thank you for hanging out with me today. If you like these videos, make sure you hit the like button on YouTube subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends. That's really helpful. If you want to support my work, there's donation links there for Venmo. Another way you can support my work and get uh, some real benefit out of it is scheduling a reading or a year ahead forecast. Those are all things that, that we can do together. That really helps support my work too. Um, it's fun too. I like meeting all of you and uh, I hope that you're having a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Peace.